Hello, and welcome to Introducing Me. I'm your host, Sarah. I started this podcast to get to know other people and lifestyles while discovering more about myself. Each episode, I'll give a new guest a chance to discuss their background, culture, interests, or whatever they want to talk about to help increase all of our own worldviews. Today, I would like to introduce you to Michelle Steiner. She has a learning disability, limited hand dexterity, and visual impairment issues. She wants to educate, encourage, and empower people on learning disabilities and how it doesn't stop her from doing the things she wants to do. So I'm excited to have Michelle here today to talk about her life and everything she's got going on. So thank you so much, Michelle. Why don't you go ahead and tell the audience a little bit more about yourself? Sure, my name is Michelle Steiner. And I have, alert. as you said, I have a learning disability. Um, my learning disability uh, is in math. Uh, and I also have limited hand dexterity. And I have I actually have visual perception. But the interesting thing about that is it's more in my brain, not in, it's not it's not in my eyes, like you would you may think as a visual impairment. Um, my learning disability, uh, I was diagnosed whenever I was in kindergarten, and it wasn't necessarily a specific learning disability at that time. Uh, we knew it was based in math, though. <laughs> that was uh, pretty clear from when I was young. Um, my parents weren't going to get a mathematician, and they, <laughs> it was a little difficult for them to, uh, to understand, only because, well, my dad's good with numbers, and a lot of people didn't really know a lot about learning disabilities at that point, and I was my parents' first child, so it could be that it was kind of a shock to them uh, with that. My uh, nursery school teacher thought, okay, something's going on, but... Uh, um, my parents decided, okay, we'll, we'll go to kindergarten. And once I was there, uh, my teacher noticed I was really struggling uh, academically and also socially too. I was, with being an only child, I was around a lot of other uh, adults. So it was, it was hard for me to socialize as well. Um, and also the learning disability uh, with the struggle, with the, just being in school and struggling I quickly kind of got labeled the dumb one or uh, the screw ups from, from pretty much a young age. And that was something with going to a small school district. I couldn't hide that I had a learning disability. They saw that I went to resource. They uh, were seeing that I wasn't uh, performing that well. And the school I went to didn't really value diversity. They were a small, close knit group, if you were one of them. And I felt like whenever I was from the time I was really small, uh, I just didn't really fit in a whole lot with them. Uh, but when I was really young and uh, in kindergarten, they evaluated me for having a learning disability. And the, the plan was the following year, I was going to repeat kindergarten in a new school in our district. And I, I was nervous. I can remember thinking, oh, I don't know. Maybe they'll forget about it. Maybe I won't have to go, but sure enough, I did. And I would spend my mornings uh, in learning support where we would do uh, handwriting. Uh, we would learn about you know, reading just like any other kid would only. I got the, the interventions. Even though I was a pretty good reader, I could read fluently. I knew how to uh, read words well. My Dad would always read stories to me, so I developed a love for reading. I just I struggled with uh, processing what I was reading. Um, 
And then we attempted to do math and eye-hand coordination skills. Um, the math, we were just never very successful in, and that was always one of the biggest struggles along with um, the, the visual perception. Uh, I can remember, though, you know, I always thought it was going to be hard for me. Uh, I thought I was never going to be able to learn like my peers, and I wasn't smart. Um, I can remember eventually it got a little bit easier. Uh, I was being able to be in regular ed classes with with my peers for reading, uh, science and social studies, but we had supports along with it. I was given uh, just having that extended test time uh, for a lot of things and having the test read aloud to me. Uh, and that was something that was really uh, effective. I, it was still hard. My parents, they, they didn't give up on me. They expected me to go to school, do my best, not have perfect grades, but they then they explained what my learning disability was. But those early years were really hard um, just with trying to, with, with the academics. That got easier. Eventually, I was in all regular classes except for math and for resources. I uh, by the time I was in high school, socially it got a lot. It, it got a lot um, more difficult for me. So, how has math kind of like continued for you post education? Because right. as much as I feel like we say, <laughs> "Oh, these things we learn in school, we don't, you know, use in our day to day adult lives." Math is, you know, one of those things that can be. Yeah needed. Right. And math was one of the things when we were talking about what I was going to do with my future, because I knew I wanted to go to college. But I wondered how I was going to handle all my classes, but especially math. I knew that was going to be uh, something that was going to be a challenge. I mean, we didn't do SATs because I never made it out of very simple math classes, but my reading and everything was great. So I can remember I met with Office for Vocational Rehabilitation, OVR. It's a federal agency where they provide services for people uh, with uh, adults that have uh, learning disabilities. They'll do a lot of paying for college. The, all their testing is uh, done for free. And they said, well, why don't we get you into a community college with, with supports? And that was something because a lot of universities will look at how well you did at, at a community college and you don't have to take your SATs because that was a big factor for me. So that, that was our plan. And even at community college, I really struggled even with any kind of math. That was really hard. Um, I can remember we would go to tutoring and the tutors didn't understand why I couldn't do it. And I think some of my professors, they were even a little surprised. They knew I had a good attitude. They knew I was going to class. I was going to tutoring. I was going to office hours. But um, I was. it was really frustrating to, to, to fail all these classes and not do well at them. Um, and I knew when I went to university that, I mean, there was a lot of talk that I couldn't do that even. I, they thought community college will be where I'll end. But... I knew going into it, it was going to be a challenge, but I took a logics-based uh, math course when I got there. And that's a philosophy-based class. So it wasn't doing algebra and the professor was wonderful. I wasn't, I struggled really hard. Uh, he knew I was trying my best. We were doing tutoring, um, 
So academically, it's hard. But my struggle with math, with having dyscalculia, the specific one, it really goes beyond a classroom. I will struggle with uh, my right and my left, just being able to tell, okay, what, what side's that on? I'll have to hold my hands out. Um, I also struggle with uh, coordinating my body. And that can all, that affects like, it, it kind of works together with the visual perception though, as well, with not being able to drive, just trying to coordinate a lot of things together. Um, my sense of space, my sense of, uh, my sense of time can be, uh, is really off. I can't read an analog clock. I know that the, I can see the numbers, I can see the, the, the handles, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, a lot of people are amazed, like, oh, why can't you, uh, why can't you do this? Or the uh, people, it used to be before we did a lot with uh, digital and Fitbits, I would say, oh, what time is it? Well, there's a clock on the wall. And I, yeah, I knew there was a clock there. I could see it, but it just didn't make a lot of sense. Um, so, and, and if I'm out in public and I'm, if I'm at the store, I, it's always a surprise to me how much money I'm spending at the register. <laughs> I'm sure it's shocking to everybody. But to, to me, I really don't know unless I have a $20 bill. Then I can see, I, I have that visual concept. Okay, I have $20 and I need to get so many items and I can kind of have a range of what I'm looking for because I can see the, the dollars and I can see um, coins if, if, if possible. Um, but if I uh, you give me a debit card or a credit card, it's more of an abstract concept and I'll spend more money and because I just can't, I can't, doesn't give me anything to be able to visualize. Um, if I'm at a restaurant and I, I have to give a tip or even other places that, 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 that have service, even picking up gift cards, um, like at a bar, uh, I, I can't do a tip. I mean, sometimes now if I'm at a restaurant, obviously, and somebody has been serving me, I will definitely take out my phone and I'll go through the, with the calculator and I know, um, what, or whatever app is on the phone and I can do that. But uh, otherwise, I can't total things uh, well or accurately. So what sort of um, safeguards or accommodations do you have in your everyday life to help you have such a positive attitude and continue to, you know, work with the world around you? I think a lot of what I try to do is... Uh, I try to focus on things that I can do. It's more empowering for me to, to know what I'm really good at. And that's a lot, that's very helpful. It's also knowing things that work for me. Um, for example, with not driving, I live in a central location where I can walk places, but I'm also blessed to have a great support system. I have, my husband's able to take me places I need to go and uh, he can take me to work in the morning. And I have, great co-workers that uh, can take me home. And when that plan doesn't work, sometimes I'm able to have somebody else do it or I can walk home. Um, and that that helps me to just be able to, to, to do that. Um, little things like, because my hand dexterity is off. So uh, rather than using a manual can opener, I'll use an electric can opener. That, that helps me to be able to get the job done. Uh, if I'm at work and I don't understand directions or I have to go and battle with the copier again, I sometimes 
will just ask if I don't understand something, just maybe something for some clarification. Or just sometimes I, I go in and I figure, okay, I just got to teach myself how to do certain things. Um, and, and it's just being patient with, with myself. And I just try to be patient and positive uh, with others around me. I also know my job, I work as a paraeducator with uh, students. When they come in with math questions, I am very uh, open that I can't help you with the math, but I can help you with uh, reading or we do a lot with spelling or just helping them to advocate for themselves. So what sort of degree did you get um, in, you know, going to community college, going to college? Did you like focus in education then? Yes, I um, I started out at community college with my associate's degree in early childhood education. And I had the chance to work in uh, schools uh, and that, that helped me to be able to understand how that works. And then when I went to university, I studied what they called community programming for Americans with disabilities. Now they call it a transition specialist, but it's the service and the special ed. And when I went there, that helped me understand what my learning disability was. And I got to understand other people's uh, disabilities and I had that opportunity. The, the professors at the, at the university were wonderful. I loved their department. They were just always so encouraging with me. And um, I did really well with the classes. And I could understand uh, where a lot of this was coming. And it just gave me so much more confidence when I graduated uh, than I had before. And so when you first started with... Um the community college and we're going for early childhood education did you ever kind of have to stop and think well i can't teach math so therefore you know how would that work because you kind of it sounds like maybe you have other um, professionals with you when you're helping students so you can be like go to this person over here for math and i'm happy to help you on the other things yeah exactly i knew going into it that math was not going to be my strong suit. And I thought in the beginning, okay, I'm going to teach preschool. They're really not going to be doing uh, really hard, uh, really hard math. I'm obviously can, you know, do the basic counting and things like that. But I I think whenever it became, I worked uh, even in a first grade classroom after, even after university as a para, uh, I couldn't really do a whole lot. I, I would try and I can remember I got something wrong and I had a little girl. I, she was, why did you get that wrong? Or why, why did that happen? And I, I said, oh, I'm not that great at math. And she goes, there's grown up school for that. And I, ju- I just had to laugh at, at, because a lot of times the kids didn't understand. But I think sometimes that's a good thing because that shows humility. It shows that, okay, some people, People, adults have things that they struggle with or things that they may not be good at, but there are things you um, th- that I am as well that I can be helpful with. And I work with seventh graders now. So obviously the, <laughs> the math is way beyond uh, what you would see in a preschool or even a first grade classroom. And I just, uh, I knew it was going to be that, that issue. And we've just tried to um, go around and, and just to be positive about it and definitely to let um, the people I work with know about that. And I'm really blessed to work with the staff that that's not an issue for, for them. 
Great. Now you mentioned, of course, kind of focusing on what you can do and -hmm. the positive aspects there. But you also mentioned how when you were in school, kids didn't understand and kids were not nice. And you know, you might have felt ostracized at times. So how did you take that negative energy and kind of turn into like, positive, focusing on the good things and being so open to talk about what you've got going on? Well, one of the things that really helped me was I found a group of friends um, that were in an art program in a school that was uh, in one of our neighboring districts. And at that time, I, I realized it was before social media, but I was able to, nobody knew my reputation. Nobody knew uh, of all that, that, that I was in for all those 12 years and went to school. So I have found people that had the same interests, were around my same, were around the same age, and I had acceptance and I knew what it was like to have a friend. And I don't see um, those people now, but that gave me the courage to go out and find other community groups. And some of those art groups uh, and writing groups I'm still a part of, and I still have friendships that go over 20 years. So uh, it w- that gave me that courage to kind of br- branch out and find that acceptance. And so when you join groups like this and make these friendships, are they aware of any of your disabilities? Yes, I um, <clears throat> was very open. Even when I, I was a, the teenager with some of them, I, I did open up. And I found some other people that had uh, disabilities as well. Not everybody. And that kind of gave me, um, with having that acceptance, that, that gave me that encouragement. And also I've met adults that uh, I still hang out with. And there's, there's a learning curve that goes into that. I can't control everybody's uh, response. Some, sometimes it can be hard to, uh, especially the ones who, who, who know me for a lot of years too, because they see the success and sometimes they're like, oh, not all of them, but you, you don't, you must not have a disability. And I'm like, well, I still have a disability, um, even though I've been able to do a lot. Uh, but a lot of times people that they do understand and they have seen what I need and they are great about, okay, you can't, um, you know, drive. So we're going here. Would you like us to pick you up? And that always helps. And they, they also marvel at if we're in public and I can't use the escalator because I just don't know when to step on and when to step off. I can see the stairs, but it's just my, my visual perception can give that issue. And I'll just go, go to the elevator. And they're like, we're just, I mean, I don't like to get into inspiration form, but they will get into, uh, it's just, you, you just go and you just do this. And it, it's, it's just a part of my life. Right. Now, can you try to explain a little bit more about the visual perception issues that you have? And you've given a couple examples, but right. I, I feel like it's kind of hard to, hard to grasp. And maybe that's right, me. Right, exactly. Because a lot of people hear vision uh, perception and they think, oh, you must need glasses or it must be your eyes. And it's more my brain. Uh, we knew when I was growing up, it was gym class was a nightmare because I would flinch every time a ball would come in my direction. And I was always the kid that was falling or dropping things out of my hands. So we knew the driving was going to be an issue. 
so my parents had me wait a year. I didn't, we didn't attempt to do anything when I was 16. Uh, when I was 17, uh, but even before they had me study for the test, which we didn't didn't end up doing. They thought, okay, well, we'll we'll work with this at home. So they had me. <laughs> we lived out in the country, and they thought, oh, here's our. They had a field, and they said, here's the riding mower. Why don't you go mow our field? And instead of having really perfect, nice straight lines, I ended up having circles. So I always joke around that, well, we know where crop circles come from. And I knew also they wanted me to have at least some experience behind the wheel. So we had this, we lived in a house on top of a hill and had a very long driveway. And my, we were at the bottom of the driveway. My mom said, okay, here, you want to drive? And I drove up the hill and uh, we almost crashed into our garage. So at that point, my mom and dad thought, okay, this is something that's going to go beyond maturity. So um, OVR paid for me to have a driver's license uh, evaluation at a rehab hospital. And I passed through everything uh, that you would, I knew what to do if we had a flat tire. I honestly um, knew, knew a lot of things about driving until we got to the visual perception part where they tested that. And they said, just with your visual perception, we can't recommend you getting your license. And that was hard to, to, that, uh, to be able to hear that. But that was one example. Um, sometimes people won't understand, like if I, you know, a ball will flinch at me. Uh, why sometimes competitive sports might be hard with the visual perception. Um, some, and it affects like my reaction time to things. And yeah. It's, and I, I think, you know, that, that example of, attempting to learn to drive and it it does make sense in terms of the it's a perception issue not Uh necessarily a specific like i can't see things right um so when you mentioned sports and gym class at a young age um you mentioned you know dropping things or flinching was the hand dexterity picked up then at that same time Mm -hmm. or did one kind of mask the other Yes, a hand dexterity was not even picked up at that time. Uh, we knew I didn't have, not even just with the gym, but my handwriting was also really bad. So we kind of just said, okay, well, <laughs> that that's just part of the disability. I had some teachers that thought, you know, that that wasn't, ex- a lot of people judged my character on it, but we just didn't really pick up on things. And I had to get I was considering grad school, so I had to get tested for having a learning disability all over again to receive accommodations with that. And one of the things they tested me for was hand dexterity. And I never knew until we had that evaluation that, okay, I I have weak hand, I have limited hand dexterity in each of my hands. And then the light bulb just went off. Oh, that's why it's hard for me to open up a drawer. That's why it's really hard for me uh, if I have an object in my hand and things just fall out. Or I can't um, open up a can or sometimes it's just hard for me to use my hands. Or my handwriting is is a, a part of why that's so terrible. It's just because of the way my hands just don't have that dexterity in them. I think it's fascinating that 
It's just kind of something you lived with for so mm-hmm. long and didn't even necessarily like think about when you when you were already diagnosed with these other things, right. but it took like a formal like, oh, we're checking multiple things to then be like, yeah. it makes sense. It, exactly. It was just one of those, oh, yeah, the light bulb moments that it goes off. Yep. And was that something that you also kind of like learned in your um, university education when you were learning about different disabilities and like kind of when people get diagnosed? I was learning about things that that, that did uh, happen. I mean, I my parents were great on explaining in simple age appropriate terms, but I always wanted to know more. And I think sometimes we, we did talk about um that that process of when someone gets diagnosed and what you look for and i think that was hard too going into it knowing oh this is where i'm this is what they're looking for and i'm reading the face of the person evaluating me and i know that it's not it's not going well and just just sometimes having a, a little bit of knowledge with that what was difficult, but it also gave me an understanding too of my disability and what I could do. And just with going there um, and being able to do things that they didn't think I could do in the evaluation. They did, some people didn't, I had one psychiatrist that didn't think I'd make it uh, past community college. I've had other ones that said, oh, she wants to do this or she wants to write or she wants to do a lot of these other things that might be beyond her uh, capabilities. And it it turned out, okay, in the real world, I I can do a lot of those things. I can't do math. That's the one thing they always get right (laughs) when we we go in. And the hand dexterity creates issues. But, um, yeah, there's a lot more I can do than, than I can. Right. So what are some things that you truly can do and excel well at? One of the things I am good at is writing. I've always loved to write. I can still remember my first story when I think I was in second grade about a dinosaur. One of my parents read it and said, hey, this is pretty good. And that gave me the confidence like, oh, I can do that. I'm also, I love to read. So I I think sometimes that's a good thing with with having, you know, with reading and I mean, and I also do photography and people will say, sometimes I can bring out the details and flowers that other people miss. And I, uh, one of the, that's a, that's a real benefit for me too, because with not driving, cause I can pick up on things. I'll, sometimes I'll be in the car and I'll tell my husband, Hey, did you see that? And he's like, no, <laughs> cause he's driving and paying attention to the road as he should. And I'll get to go back and take a picture of that flower or I'll get to go and see that space or that sign or that restaurant or just something that somebody else might've missed. And a lot of times I get to take that picture and I get to combine the writing and the photography with my blog called Michelle's mission. And on my blog, I will put down disability articles. So I'm pretty good on metaphors of describing life with the disability and comparing it with nature and I will also put up uh, nature photography as well. So why did you first start this blog? I wanted to uh, be able to educate people about what life with a learning disability is like. I want to be able to encourage other people and, and to be able to empower them to be able to do things. A lot of times I hear from other people, wow, I didn't know that someone else had this. 
And I get that connection with other people too. And just, I get to encourage other people and to bring awareness and, and, and to bring acceptance over that. I can, for so long, I didn't want to talk about having a learning disability. And I can remember when my first article got published about my struggle with limited hand dexterity. Uh, that just gave me a lot of confidence and it was one of the most healing things that I've ever done. And so how often, you know, do you write on the blog and what sort of, you know, like interaction do you get with it since you do also have a, uh, educating job? Yes. A lot of, um, I try to post every two weeks. Uh, sometimes that doesn't always happen. Sometimes it's once a month, uh, that, that I'll get the, the opportunity, but I, now I try to be consistent about that. I will have people that will comment. Uh, a lot of times, sometimes it's family and sometimes it's other people that I haven't met. And I get to, you know, be able to share my story. And I just hearing other people say, well, I've experienced that or I know somebody that, that that's like. And just hearing that just that gives me the encouragement as well. And so... Um, you shared a little bit on kind of like what you share on the blog in terms of, you know, sharing about your disability and mm-hmm. sharing the photography and stuff like that. So what are your continued hopes for the blog and where, like, what do you want to, how do you continue to have material? I always think that I, I just look for different ways of explaining the disability. I also look for just uh, nature. That inspires me a lot. Uh, just looking, sometimes quotes are really good. And I'll, I'll think, okay, well, how does this relate? Or just sometimes I'll come up with an idea. And I just try to make it simple enough so people are able to understand it. And because you've mentioned a couple times now nature, when did you first kind of like really find that you were drawn to nature? Yes, definitely. I've always been, um, I grew up in the country. It wasn't always <laughs> that much of uh, being that too much outside, uh, but I did like the flowers. I've always loved butterflies. That's always been a passion of mine too. Um, we grow, uh, we do a lot of uh, flowers in the spring, in the summer uh, off our porch. We have, my husband and I also like to garden. We, that, that's a big thing that we like. And uh, we had a butterfly uh, one year. In fact, it came uh, on one of the, the flowers from my husband's garden. We had a caterpillar and it turned into a butterfly. And it was so amazing to watch that. So now we have a butterfly habitat. And every year we, we get cat, we order caterpillars. I haven't been as lucky as before to have one come out from the garden. And we get that chance to, to, to be able to see that, um, you know, the butterfly being able to transform. Wow. I mean, that's really cool to have started it with just in nature to then now Mm -hmm. continue to be recreating it. Yep. So what other sort of things do you like to do and partake in um, outside of the kind of more day to day writing, reading and going to work? I love to um, work out. I go to our uh, local YMCA, and I, I do like group ex- non-competitive group exercise classes. Uh, that's key because <laughs> I really can't do the team sports, or I'll do the wellness center. Uh, I also love my husband and I love to travel. 
Uh, we like to go uh, to gardens, uh, botanical gardens. That's one of our big things. We love museums and we love going to just different places that we can go out and uh, check out uh, different things in the area and just have like these adventures and find really neat things to do. Yeah. And so how did you first meet your husband? I met my husband when I was volunteering at our uh, local art center and it was nothing that was planned or scripted. (laughs) I was walking down the street and he saw me wearing a red dress and he wondered, oh, who's that girl? Where's she going? And it turns out he was going to the art center that night uh, to play guitar. And he's like, oh, she, we, we found out we had mutual friends and the relationship, we, we were friends first and got to know each other. And yeah. That is so great. And, and just from the, the first thing you said, it kind of made sense with, with everything you two like to do together and, mm-hmm. you know, this, this life that you've created. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, I'm not quite sure that I have any other specific questions. So is okay. there anything that you would like to share that I might not, you know, know to ask about or anything else you'd like to talk about? I just would like to encourage uh, people that have learning disabilities or any other kind of disability to go out there and to find what they want to do and to uh, find uh, a way to do that. Awesome. I think that's definitely important. Um, to hear as well. And, you know, with, with you sharing kind of your different diagnoses and those procedures, I think um, it's important for everyone to realize that, you know, you may not know everything. Yep. Now at the end of all of my episodes, I do ask all of my guests a random question. Okay. So my question for you is what fashion trend would you like to bring back? One of the fashion trends I love is vintage dresses from the 1950s. So everybody always sees me with wearing stuff like that. So I guess I, I love the, yeah, a lot of the traditional dresses. All right, that brings this episode to a close. So of course, if you would like to check out Michelle's blog, that will be in the description. I will also be leaving links to her Facebook and Instagram. If you would like to connect with her there, feel free to go follow her. Those links will also be there. And of course, if you would like to connect with the podcast, our website is in the description as well. It brings you, of course, to all of our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. It brings you to all of our past episodes, all past resources and social media that people have shared as previous guests. And if you would like to be a guest, my email is in the description as well. I always appreciate when people reach out to me. And if you'd like to support that podcast monetarily, there is a link to do that as well. So thank you so much, Michelle, for spending time with me today. And to my listeners for taking the time out of your day to hear a new story. Until next time. Bye. Thank you, Sarah. Goodbye.